thank you for coming out and being with us today. It is always such a wonderful joy to gather together with those who love the Lord. It, it's, it's rather amazing how God joins us together and, and, and how, what He does for the church, but what He does for the individual in giving us hope. It gives us something to be happy about. It gives us something to smile about. Without purpose, man is lost, and, and he's, he's very sad. And it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to come together and to have such a, for it to have such an emotional impact for us to come together as one because we love God and because we love Jesus Christ. A few years ago, Terry and I were privileged to take a vacation and go to San Francisco. And we, we had a great time. We got to ride the, the trolley cars and, and, and to see the sights in the city. And of course, uh, especially with me, to stop in just, hey, let's stop here and eat again. And we, we, had, a, we had a good time. Uh, I laughed from time to time because there were rather some rainbow-dressed young men who just absolutely loved me, and I wasn't really bright enough to understand why they loved me so much, but I still, I was just surrounded with a lot of people and got to talk a lot, and I, I'll tell you, it, it was wonderful. Uh, we actually went out on the bay, and, and while short-sleeved shirts were fine, and I was very comfortable up on land, once we got out on the water, it, it was really uh, very, very breezy and, and very cold. And, and uh, uh, Terry had, had been thoughtful enough that she bought, uh, she bought a couple of jackets and a, a couple of hats. Well, she got kind of a nice looking hat for herself. And I mean, you know, blue and, and framed in, in pink, you know, kind of nice. But the only, the only hat she could find big enough for me was, and, and I'm not really positive about what his name, but wasn't there a, a, a character, a kind of a cartoon character, Elmer Fudd? Is that, isn't that right? And you know what his hat looked like? Well, you should have seen me out on that water. That wind was blowing so hard that my ears were just flapping. <laughs> And, and, you know, I mean, I'm a farm boy that, that's, that's making a trip off of a hog farm in, in southern Illinois. And uh, I'm, I'm just having, I'm having a, a great time. And I wasn't going to miss out on the opportunity to be out on, right on the front of, uh, of the boat as we went across the, the, the water toward the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and uh, others were smart enough, everybody, I reckon, but Terry and I, went inside the covered area, glassed-in area, and, and where it was warmer. But I wasn't going to do that because I'd probably never get to go back there again. And so I stayed out, and folks were laughing at us and laughing at my ears flapping. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, it was great. I want to read to you a few, a few facts about the Golden Gate Bridge. It, it, it's really something. It, it, it's just, just amazing. Uh, the bridge is, is uh, 8,981 feet long, <laughs> 1.7 miles. Uh, it contains about 88,000 tons of steel. 
Now, as far as wide for cars to cross, it's about 90 feet wide. There are six driving lanes and and there are two sidewalks. Cool. The width of driving lanes is 62 feet between the curbs and the sidewalks are 10 feet each. Again, the total weight of that bridge is 887,000 tons. Wow. There are two towers that hold up two steel cables that anchor the bridge. Uh, There are approximately 80,000 miles of of wire uh, inside two steel cables, kind of woven together for, for the strength that holds the bridge. The tower stands 726 feet above the water and 500 feet above uh, above street level or where the cars where the cars drive across. The towers weigh 44,000 tons each and are 4,200 feet apart uh, from each other. Again, street level is about 220 feet above the water. Uh, they had a, a safety net below the, while they were building it, they kept a safety net up and, and men would fall. And, and to fall into that current, into that cold water is to fall to your death. So that safety net saved a lot of lives. But on one occasion, scaffolding fell. And I'm not, I don't really remember for sure, but I think there were at least 10 men that died when the scaffolding fell and, and of course, broke through the net. But uh, considering such a monumental task, uh, one life's too many, but that's probably, that's probably about as good as you're going to do. You know, when, I'm think, when I think about the Golden Gate Bridge and, and, and how magnificent it is, uh, it really is not. It's far from the most wonderful bridge that ever was. It, it really is. It's not even close. And yet, Wow, what a magnificent sight it is, and yet it actually pales. It really does. It pales into insignificance when you compare it to the greatest bridge of all time. When you're thinking of a bridge, and before I talk about the greatest bridge of all time, you know, the the primary purpose of a bridge is to unite two or more entities. It brings things together. And those entities otherwise remain, completely remain, totally isolated from each other. The bridge allows for unity. We're going to see the word reconciliation come up in my sermon this morning because that's a bridge. That's a bridge. That brings things together. The word reconciliation means to unite, just like a bridge does. To unite, to bring back to harmony and to cause to be friendly again those who have fallen out. When you're thinking of reconciliation, you're, you might be looking at, at, at a married couple who've, who've had a, a, a terrible problems. But then... Instead of divorce, they they come back together. They're united. They're reconciled. Reconciliation. So they're brought together. That's, That's what a bridge does. To be reconciled is to cross the bridge. And to be united 
once again. Reconciled. A bridge reconciles. It brings things together. But the most wonderful bridge of all times that ever will be, by far, is the cross of Christ. It's a bridge above all bridges. The most significant bridge that has ever been is the cross of Jesus Christ. We're going to be taking a look at at what the, the cross of Christ, why I would call it a bridge and why that's an appropriate term. What is it that it brings together? What is united as a result of the cross of Jesus Christ? What makes it so special? First of all, the cross is a bridge which unites God with man. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We must be careful and, and not underestimate the destructive power of sin. We must never forget that it doesn't really matter how good people are, that we're all sinners and that we're lost and undone. And unless we're united with God through Jesus, the cross of Jesus and Jesus Christ, that we'll be forever separated and we have nothing to look forward to but to damnation and destruction. The cross, the cross of Jesus Christ unites us with God. Romans 5 and verse 10 says, if when we were enemies, we were, there's that word, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, through the cross. What a great bridge. Isaiah 59 in verse 2, some 750 years before the book of Romans was written, says, But your sins, your iniquities have made a separation. You're divided, need a bridge, need to be reconciled. Your sins have made a separation between you and your God. Don't be so self-righteous. Don't be so arrogant as to think that you're not in need of being reconciled to God and that you don't need Jesus and the cross was not for you. It's for all of us in desperate need of the cross of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, Now all things are of God. Now notice, He has reconciled us to Himself. There's a bridge And that bridge is Jesus. He's reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Forgiving them. And God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. There's that bridge. Jesus is the bridge. The cross of the Lord is the bridge that unites man with the God of heaven. We're all in need of Him. We're all sad and undone and lost without God. I am so thankful there's a bridge. And that's found in Jesus Christ. But the cross is also a bridge which unites man with man. I'm asking Kyle, if he would, to stand up here and read that fourth verse 
uh, for just just read that. Go, please. Would you do that now? Read that again, or read it for the first time. <laughs> Thus we bear each other's loads till we rest with Him above. All together we can serve, joined in labor, faith, and love. We are one as we serve in truth and perfect love, all united in one mind with Him above. What a perfect song to be, just so fitting and appropriate. And though I didn't ask him for that song to, to, to sing before I have this sermon, we are drawn not only to God, but through God, through Jesus, and yes, through the cross. We're brought together, man with man. There's, there's, there's love that would never exist without God. There's harmony and peace and unity. We're brought together through the the death of Jesus on the cross. Ephesians 2.14, He Himself, Jesus, is our peace. He's made both one. And here He's talking about Jew and Gentile. We're brought together as one. All of mankind. No matter what the color of their skin, no matter what country, nation they come from, they're brought together. They're brought together with God and with each other. And this verse is emphasizing the each other, man with man. Mankind with mankind. He abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so to create in himself one new man, that's the Christian, from the two, thus making one. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the division putting to death the enmity. We're to love each other, to care for each other, to strive together to serve God and to help each other toward heaven. That's easy to say. That is not not easily done. It really doesn't come easy at all for us to love everyone. We love people who are like us and we love people who make us happy. But it's another thing to love everybody. In any organization, and that's true in the church, to actually love everyone and to realize that we all have our hope of heaven and we're united in Christ. We serve together, we work together, we sing together, we care for each other, we're united through the cross of Jesus Christ, and we are one. We are one. Ephesians 4 verses 3 and 4 continuing this idea of man being joined with man. A bridge was formed as a result of the cross of Jesus. All the hatred and division that exists in the world which is much. It predominates. But it doesn't need to. Jesus is the bridge. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit In the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. We truly, as the song, we are one. And if we are not one, then we don't belong to God. Jesus is the bridge which brings men together. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one, 
and it has many members. And all the members of the body, though many, they're one body, the body of Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. No matter where you come from in the world, and no matter whether you're, you live in poverty or great wealth, no matter whether you're smart or not so much, no matter whether you're handsome or not, it matters not, you're one in Christ. God unites. And that unity is in the love that's afforded us as a result of the cross, which is the bridge. The wonderful, wonderful bridge. The most magnificent bridge that brings us together. The cross is also a bridge which unites fallen man with a holy life. Before the cross, man walked according to the flesh. He did what was best for him at all times. Even if he wanted to do well, he would end up giving in to sin. Sin dominated. It was our master. There was no forgiveness without Christ. There was no hope. There was no unity. There was no bond. Remember in Noah's time, Genesis 6 and verse 5, God destroyed the earth, all of mankind, all, all of the animals. He, he destroyed everything with a flood. And it says the thoughts and intents of their heart were only evil continually. That's where we would be today. You think it's bad, and it is. And I'm sad a lot of times when I think of, of how our country is, is moving away from God. And God has been kicked out of many things. But the thing that the place that he's been booted out of that is the most significant and, and most important is the hearts of men. Before the cross, man walked according to the flesh. Led him more deeply into sin. I want you to notice the following verse, which, which plainly indicates the hopelessness and, and helplessness that men were in before Jesus, before the cross of Christ, before that great and wonderful bridge of God. Look at this passage. In Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, the Apostle Paul, he projects himself back at a time before Christ. He says, I was alive once, but then the law came and I died. Notice, he says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, then I agree with the law that the law is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Can you see he's showing the hopelessness, the sadness? And doesn't, doesn't this, doesn't it describe so many? It's the way I was before Christ. It's the way men are without Christ. That's why there's so much despondency and despair because men haven't crossed the bridge to God through Jesus Christ. 
what a, what a wonderful passage to show that you want to do well. You don't want to sin. You want to behave more godly. You, you want to start treating people with, with more dignity and respect. You want to. You don't want to, to, to give in and, and take this drug. You don't want to give in to alcohol. You don't want to give in to, to adultery and fornication and sin. You don't want to give in to self-righteousness. You don't want to follow this world, but you find yourself unable to fight it. You, you don't have any help and you're whipped. But God, through Jesus Christ, provided, and the cross of the Lord provided a bridge where I can live a righteous life, where sin is not a way, it, it's a mistake, and, and, and it's fleeting, it's passing. It's not the way I live anymore because I can say no and mean it, or I can say yes to God and righteousness and holiness and do that which is right. I'm no longer saying I want to do right, but I just can't. I can say through God and the power of the Lord, the great bridge that, was, that unites man with righteousness and holiness, the bridge of the cross, I can do right. I can grow up in the Lord. I can be strong. I can be righteous. I can be holy. I don't have to sin. I need to realize the weakness is because I'm not crossing that bridge and holding tenaciously to Christ. The cross indeed is a bridge to a life, a life of purity, a life of holiness. And that's what the passage I read a moment ago in Romans 7 about the hopelessness. I, I want to do good and I want to do right, but then I can't. God says, now you can. Now cross the bridge. Now walk with me. Now you can. There is therefore now no condemnation. Well, who to who? To those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh. They don't walk ungodly. They don't say yes to sin. But they walk according to the Spirit. Walking. This passage is not talking about how to be saved. It's talking about how to live godly when you are. It's saying, I can be strong. I can do better. I can be a better person. I can be a godly person and righteous and holy. <coughs> God forgives sin. But my life needs to be depicted and described, as, in generally speaking, as the absence of sin. And where sin creeps in, it... It's soon repented of and it's forgiven and, and, and it's buried because through Christ Jesus and the cross, I can cross over that bridge into holiness, into righteousness. Fallen man then can live, a, can be lifted up to rise, Paul said in Romans 6, to rise to walk in newness of life. That is why it matters what I say. I need to be kind. And I need to say things to encourage other people. I need to not only keep from saying things that, 
that are going to hurt people, but I need to use my tongue as a weapon of righteousness and holiness and build people up. That is why it matters what clothing I wear. Because I'm in a position where it makes a difference. I'm, I'm representing Christ and I certainly don't want to, to do anything, whether, whether you're looking about at someone who is attractive and is going to cost others to lust, or whether you're just talking about dressing in a manner that is appropriate for the situation you're in. And you're just representing godliness. That's why it matters how I treat others. Because I'm to love people. I'm to love the unlovable. Jesus, when He was hanging on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They had just tortured Him. They had just killed Him. Or He's dying. He's soon to die. And yet He said, forgive. Forgive. Motivated by love. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And that's why it matters if I serve others. A Christian who doesn't serve is like a light bulb that no longer comes on. With no current. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. To help the helpless and hopeless. To help the shut-in. To help the sick. To have a kind word for those who are sad. When Jesus got down on his, on his knees and He washed the disciples' dirty feet in John 13, Jesus showed service and servitude. I am to be a servant. God, through the cross of Christ, provided a way for me to cross over from self-righteousness to godliness, to holiness. Be ye holy, God says, for I am holy. That is why it matters who I spend my time with. Evil companionship corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. And that's why it matters how I, how I am entertained. That's why it matters how I react when, when filthy, vile jokes are said, expressed in front of me. That's why my life matters. What I do to, in a kind, gracious, and loving way, and what I stay for, away from the filth and degradation of the world, I cross the bridge. Because God provided that bridge in Christ. Holiness. The Apostle Peter expressed it this way. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. When Adam and Eve were created, when they were in the Garden of Eden, God had a special relationship with them and He communicated with them because they were holy. When they sinned, they're cast out of the Garden and separated from God. Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ, is the bridge that brings me back to that position that man had in the Garden of Eden before the fall. It is the bridge. Be ye holy, 
for I am holy. Again, the most wonderful, glorious bridge that ever was. God wants to be in your life, but only as you become holy can you be in His. The cross is a bridge in conclusion. The cross is a bridge between God and man. The cross is a bridge between man and man. And the cross is a bridge between a life of sin and separation from God to a life of holiness and unity with my brethren, with others, and unity with God. I hope I've helped you. The most glorious bridge that ever will be is the cross of Christ. If we can help you, we plead with you, we beg you to come forward. All together we stand and sing.